Welcome to He Said, She Said Razor Branding Podcast with Michael Russo and Jackie Russo. To learn more about how to improve your brand, visit brandrusso.com. Hi, welcome to He Said, She Said Razor Branding Podcast with Michael and Jackie Russo. Michael, our conversation with Jeremy Delk was awesome um, because he's got great energy and enthusiasm, because he's so smart. He knows things way more complicated than I even begin to try to understand it a day. Maybe a little bit because he drops the F-bomb a few times, so this is not suitable for work out loud, people, but mostly because he's a guy that gets it. You know, when he talked about his early childhood, losing his father, how that's turned him into a serial entrepreneur with a passion for disrupting industries, the work that he's done to grow these companies, it, you hear the passion come through. And I loved every bit about this conversation. This is the part where you talk. Oh, right. Sorry. I was, <laughs> you, were doing, you were doing so well. Well, I would appreciate you participating in the intro so that well, people know you attended the podcast. Yeah, well, you were talking about a lot of really heady stuff, like with the trading and stuff. And I don't know anything about all that. I mean, other than what I learned from watching trade trading, what was it? Uh, what's the Eddie Murphy movie? Trading Places. Yeah, Trading Places. Yeah. That is not a very good, um, I think, lesson on how to buy and sell stock. Probably not, but um, <laughs> something to do with orange juice. And yep, you got it. That was it. That's the whole story right there. Or oranges. I'm not sure. But you know what I'm <laughs> mad about is that I didn't get to bring up and I had written down because he was, he was from Kentucky. And we didn't talk about it, but uh, I've been watching the show Justified, and it's yes. in Kentucky, which is absolutely not anything to do with him, or because this is like bluegrass, you know, like hillbilly type stuff. And anyway, it's a it's a really great show, by the way, if anybody hasn't seen it. But um, with Timothy Oliphant, Oliphant, Oliphant. So you wanted to ask our super smart, really intellectual, world traveler, traveled, brilliant podcast guest if you watched a tv show yeah. <laughs> so i just want to make sure i'm hearing you correctly is it really like that there it's like if somebody <laughs> watches swamp people here or and oh, they I'm think Louisiana is right people now. like that no it's yeah. not really like that there i mean come on i know that but it was i i, I was dying to ask it i hope all this makes the final cut and so without further ado please join me in a fascinating conversation with jeremy delk And so now joining us, Jeremy Delk. Jeremy, thanks so much for making time. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. We're excited to have you. Um, I know that the people listening can't see your office, but you've got some dark mood going on there. It's quite dramatic. Thank you. Yeah, we've got a little uh, little studio. Uh, we don't believe in half-assing things, right? So if we're going to go and do these podcasts, we wanted to kind of get it up. So I got to... I mean, I don't know how half the shit works, but we, uh, we've got you know multiple mics, <laughs> guests, soundboards. We got all this stuff. That's what it oh, looks it, like. It, it looks legit. Yeah, you got the real mic and you can tell, you know, because not everybody, it, it's a kind of pet peeve of mine because, you know, sometimes you get, you hear the air conditioning, you hear that. I mean, you're like, it's oh, it's premium. It's very nice. Oh, yeah. He's so smooth. You look like maybe Ryan Seacrest is sitting across the board from you. That's how high <laughs> level your shit looks. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that's big time. So in reading up about you and your bio, uh, I'm really impressed at all that you have accomplished. And I, I, you don't necessarily have to take us all the way back to day one, but I thought maybe we could spend a little bit of time talking about your early days as a day trader in high school, uh, because <laughs> those two things don't normally go together, day trading and high school classes. So how'd you get into it? How'd you figure it out? Whose money were you losing in the beginning? How did it all work? Yeah, so we, we had day trading right after health in high school. It was really cool. 
Uh, <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so we kind of start off on a, on a bit of a downer, but so my, uh, I, I lost my father when I was, I was young, I was seven years old and, um, that I think shaped a lot of, you know, uh, who I am today, but to answer your question, um, I was going to be doing inheritance about $30,000, uh, when I turned 18, I grew up in a, I live in Lexington, Kentucky. Now I grew up in Bargetown, Kentucky, which is the her, home of the bourbon capital and, you know, Maker's Mark, Jim Beam, all these great uh, bourbons that you're familiar with. That's, a, that's kind of what we grew up with in our town, but otherwise very small, right? You know, 25, 30,000 people, um, city and county. So I grew up in this, you know, small town, um, big fish, small pond type of mentality. Sure. And I always had this dream of wanting to kind of do, you know, do more, see more and be more. And, you know, to me, that was like what Sinatra said, right? In New York, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. So my only, you know, formal knowledge of New York was, you know, Godfather and like mob movies. And my last name's Delk. So I wasn't going to fit into the mob, unfortunately. You need a vowel. Um, was- See, that's what Michael brought to the relationship by giving me Russo as a last name with a vowel. Yeah. He ensured yeah. we have good food forever. Dialed in. Exactly. Exactly. Delco would have worked. Delco would have worked. Delco would have worked. Yeah, but you get good Sunday gravy. I didn't even know what that was until I moved to the Northeast. But um, but yeah, so it was Wall Street, right? That's kind of what I thought. And, you know, so I just started, you know, picking up the, you know, Wall Street Journal, Investor Business Daily and self-taught. And I was going to take this, you know, safely managed $30,000 um, that my, my mom had put in like Disney stock in 20th Century Ultra. And I started day trading. Um, and my mom's always been supportive like that and just didn't probably know any better. Um, probably should have not let me do it, but, um, it was in the height of a coming into a bull market, the dot-com kind of era, late nineties. And, um, I did pretty well with it. I grew that portfolio, um, from 17 to 19 to, um, just over $2 million. And, uh, so not bad for a two year period day trading on on pilot, if any of your audience remembers those. Um, so I was pretty, pretty tech. Um, and what's even cooler is I blew it up in uh, four days. So I lost 2 million bucks in four days. So that was awesome. Um, but you know, in that moment, you're just a dramatic failure and you've lost not only just so much money and, and whatever, but it, it was hard. Cause I lost my, I, I lost the money that my dad had left for me. Right. So really fucking feeling good about yourself. But, you know, but that thing, that one, that was probably one of three events in my life that um, took me some time to get through, but probably, you know, helped define and really positively made me who I am uh, today. Because um, I'm a big firm believer that things happen for you, not to you. Um, so, yeah. I love that happened for you and not to you. Um, This is a little off the track, uh, but I think that you of the three of us have the most expertise to answer this question. At the time that we're recording this, Dumb Money is coming out, the new movie about the um, GameStop debacle. So uh, Michael and I were discussing it with our kids the other day, and we effectively realized that the six of us don't fully appreciate exactly what happened. So we're going to have to go see the movie. But were you living a similar life? Like when you're day trading, is that kind of what they were doing in dumb money? Uh, no. Cause they were short selling. They were short, but I was, I was long and short as well. So, okay. uh, so a couple things, one, um, what I was doing was in day trading is effectively white collar gambling, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, you know, taking bets, 
they're educated. You're following trends, but you're fucking kind of gambling, right? And you're <laughs> you're using margin, which is equivocal to VIG, right? I mean, there's a lot of synergies what you're what you're doing, but you're usually, you know, you hear the, you know, you you buy and sell on rumor, trade on, you know, um, you know, trade on news, right? That that's kind of, um, you know. A, a bit of what you're doing. There's some education there and you're, you, you know, you're usually isolated into a, a, one or two stocks. Mine was JDS Uniphase and Qualcomm. Um, and I knew those stocks very well. I was in and out of them all, all, all the time. And I was, I was disciplined in the fact that um, I, I always sold out um, my positions and was in cash at the end of the day did after hours trading in the, a, a little bit, but for the most part, you don't go to bed with positions. Um, I did that until I didn't. Um, and then the markets just started going through and that's, that was it. I was going to lose regardless. I, I mean, I, if I would have been disciplined, it probably would have taken me three weeks instead of four days, but um, <laughs> that's it. Dumb money is, um, it's a great name really, but uh, you hear about you know, smart money and smart money investors. There used to be odd lot theories when when stocks used to go across and sell in lots. If you see someone bought 175 shares, 177.7 shares, um, it's probably, you know, a housewife in, you know, uh, Oklahoma that just doesn't know like, oh, I like that stock as opposed to large full lots that looks to be more institutional. So the idea with dumb money is that um, those stocks fucking sucked. Those companies sucked, bottom line. Right, um, right, and they should have been shorted. Um, in in a short uh, position, you're basically you're buying you're either buying stock long, which is I buy the stock and I hope it goes up. Um, but if it goes to zero, like you know what your losses are. With a short sale, you are buying a stock and thinking it's going to go down. Um, in where you buy a stock and put a million dollars into it, if it goes to zero, you've lost a million dollars. Um, on a short sale, you're basically selling something that you don't have. So you're going out to, to the market. At some point, you know, rent's going to come due. So I'm selling a stock that is currently selling at 50 bucks. I think it's going to go to zero. So if it does, I get all $50. The challenge with this is um, your losses are limitless because there's no limit on how high a stock can go. Right. So at some point, rent's going to come due and like, Hey man, remember those fucking shares I gave you? Well, fucking I bought you. I lent those shares to you. So now you've got to kind of pay me back. Well, I don't have the fucking shares. So I have to go into the open market and buy them at some $500 price. So you, you don't know. So the strategy is called a short squeeze, um, where you basically put a lot of buy pressure on to make the uh, go through. And that's what it was. And it's, it's, it's a cool story. All the stocks were dog shit. The, the, the institutional guys were right. But uh, it was a time where it, I think it shows you just how much power the small little guy has. And, you know, you, you can take on a behemoth, right? Because there was a lot of right, smart money, right. but there's a lot of power um, within this country and all countries, but there's a lot of power uh, in the small guy. And I think it was a great, um, you know, depiction of, you know, if you, you can amass a group, you can move mountains. You really, really can. But right. yeah. Well, well I think the rub- social media too, because he used YouTube to rally all these people around him, the novice just, guy. So exactly, which cool. is awesome. I mean, yeah. it's, there's, there's a whole, there's so many fucking problems with, with it. I mean, like, cause what they, what that happened there, if any one of those, and if, if any one of those individuals 
And they got, they actually prosecuted some people because they were profiting on it. Right. But if you are a financial person, you can't basically, there's just, it's just soliciting, right? You're basically, it's like pump and dunk scenes, a lot of stuff like Jordan Belfort, that kind of stuff. That was the reverse of what was happening, but it was millions of people doing it. And everyone's just kind of buying into their own bullshit. They were all doing not a dissimilar thing to what Belfort was doing, right. except Belfort was keeping all the money for themselves, where these all are just a bunch of idiots, not idiots, but not infor- uninformed, educated. Novices. I think we're calling them novices. Novices, yes. Well, the, the, the rub in all that was that they shut them down, right? Like they, um, it was, um, what was the Robin name Hood of that? Robin or Acorns or one of those yeah. places. And so like they, they, they basically pulled the plug on it because it was kind of getting out of hand, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. so kind of, but they, that was smart, right? Because they, what they did was put pressure on because like the big banks who had the money and like had the, had the power and the credit or they can put pressure on vehicles. They can't like, what are they going to call you, Michael? I'm like, Hey man, stop doing this. Fuck you. What do you have? No control over me. Robin Hood <laughs> happened to be the Ameritrade or Charles Schwab. Or, it's just Robin Hood was the vehicle that a lot of those traders happen to be trading on. If they ever went to JP Morgan or to Robin and said, Hey, stop doing this. Those guys would tell them to go fuck themselves. Right. Cause like they're big multinational institutions, but Robin hood was basically kind of a front end app that had some clearing, but they were dealing with their own credit. So they basically said, Hey, listen, if you don't start doing this, if you don't, if you don't start limiting these things, we're going to cut off your lifeblood. So they had leverage over those smaller, um, um, uh, clearing houses. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So that's also a smart play, also illegal, but um. it, it makes about this much sense, though, because that is not my um, my wheelhouse. I, I'm, I'm married well. Um, Jackie handles the finances. <laughs> when we when we uh, when we got married, I was uh, I was living in Seattle and I just moved back home to Louisiana and um, I had a checking account still open. And I think it may still be open today. They never closed it. I kept getting um, like, uh, you know, updates on it over the years. And it was Favorites. like. Yeah, like $5. And it was, you know, I kept saying that was my retirement fund. So that was about as close as I got to having any kind of real savings. And I was still paying off college debt. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm married well and got somebody that was a lot smarter than me. So she, that's why she's doing more talking right now. But I think the movie's going to be great because I don't know if you've seen um, uh, The Big Short. Oh, yeah. um, but they did a phenomenal job. Like, you know, Margot Robbie and the play going through. I mean, they, it was so good, but it was, it was, taking because it's true right like some of these cools credit default swaps and like what the fuck like you know pull, like it, it's if you know finance you understand what it is but if you don't it's triple a rated it's blah 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 you know I mean like it's it, it's all yeah it's it's a different piece I, i've got healthcare businesses as well and like it infuriates me my mom says oh it's it's the doctor gave me the shot well what fucking shot like having advocacy the, the amount of blind trust we put into a you know, this authority, um, and just kind of take our word for it without challenge the, the, the populace, um, is scary. And I think that's, so I'm sure the, the, this movie is going to do an equal or, or a better job explaining a different problem with, uh, with wall street. It wasn't a problem. It was an opportunity that no one ever saw coming. I don't know if it ever happens again, but it was pretty, uh, it was pretty cool. Well, what I love about it and, and what I think, you know, you're going to lead us down into next is when we start to talk about the self-education you put into yourself, like the education you've done for yourself, the lifelong learning, you know, figuring out how to day trade, figuring out how to make money, figuring out how to recover from loss, and then starting to grow businesses. You're right. If we don't advocate for ourselves and take that initiative to teach ourselves, nobody's going to show up and spoon feed you the knowledge. So you're in your early 20s now. 
And now you're starting to build businesses. What direction did you head and where did you go to learn what you needed to know? Yeah. So after I blew up the money, I, I, I had acquired, you know, things at 19 that, um, no other freshman in college was getting. So I bought a, you know, townhouse with 20 foot ceilings and fireplace and like nice car. So I had all this other stuff, but when I lost all my, my, my money, um, I also lost the income that I was making and I, I come from modest means, right? So my parents couldn't, my mom and stepdad couldn't help me if they wanted to. So it led me to get odd job to odd job. And then luckily I ended up in Wall Street. I actually got a job trading. Uh, I was the youngest institutional trader for Fidelity and went to Boston and then New York. So losing that actually got me the position. I left that job two years in after you know short but successful stint because um, I didn't feel as an entrepreneur, and I know a lot of people have, have felt this, when they, there's that fear going out on your own, but, um, I'm a creative learning instinctual create. That's who I am in, inside. And I think if you stay in corporate America, that's where you will die right inside, not actually die. So for me, um, it was fucking very easy, right? I was 21 making a shit ton of money, but I'd already picked myself back up from losing that. So I was like, well, fuck, what happens if it doesn't work? If I go out on my own, fucking can't be any worse than a couple of years ago. So I had that, you know, that confidence and like fucking the swagger, like let's go and, and, and do it. Um, so that was a huge thing for me. The fact that I was able to pull myself back out of that thing and, and overcome it in such a poor time, that gave me the courage to start my own, uh, my own thing. Um, some of the lessons that came out of that were, um, and I don't suggest you blow up 2 million bucks to learning these lessons. I, I wrote a book. <laughs> without a plan that has a bunch of lessons that cost me millions that you can save yourself the fucking heartache and read that and, and, and kind of miss it. But we've all faced adversity. We've all failed. Um, and we forget about it because humans were fucking weak little girl. You know, we're, we're weak people. Sometimes you're like, Oh, I don't want to forget about the, I forget about the bad things, but like, I don't think you should dwell on your past, but like own that and look at it sometimes because, um, you're, we're resilient. And if you can take pride in the fact that like, Hey, when I thought it was all going to be over, but I'm still here, you're still here listening to this podcast. You've still, you know, this event has happened. You're still there. If you lean on that strength, it often gives you the courage to kind of go forward, you know, more. That's one of, you know, several lessons I learned. The other big one that I think is applicable to your piece and where you're going with it, Jackie is the learning, the, the moment you stop learning or the moment that you think you have it all figured out, like, Get ready because you're about to get punched right in the face, right? So it's always learning, right? Even back then, I was looking, I was self-taught. I was looking at books, uh, Wall Street Journal, and I was in um, uh, effectively like the Reddit of you know today for for that it was called Raging Bull. It was like a, a message board um, on the internet early, early days, and it was bad, right? You have different opinions from non-verified people, but you were at least getting the understanding you were going through. So it was that immersion. Um, that's how I learn. Like I, I, I read, I do audible. I kind of go through, I go to conferences, not as many as you, Jackie, cause you are definitely the, you're the winning that, but I go to conferences. I talk to peers. I I'm challenged. I love learning from people. Whomever. I think that's the other piece too, but just having that willingness to learn and open-mindedness, that's a superpower, right? And also being willing to learn from anyone, right? Having a conversation with, you know, your, you know, the, the waiter at the restaurant and what their dreams are, what they're able to do. So many people get to a, a level and then they're all of a sudden better than someone else. Like, fuck you, man. Like some of the best lessons I've learned, if not from my billionaire friends, it's from people that are just like 
hard out going through, you know, grinding it and um, making a difference. And like, wow, you learned a ton of ethnic or you a ton of adversity or someone has a medical event. We all get so tied up into money and all the shit that we have. And like, fuck man, like, like someone loses their health. Right. I mean, it just perspective and introspective looking is hugely valuable. Um, not only in business, um, but especially in your personal life. Right. So I think those are some, some pieces where you're able to do. So I don't know if I even answered your question, but I'm happy to dive back in and get more. No, you did. I'm I'm curious. Let's jump in. Cause like when you're talking about that and maybe a little off subject here, but the failure that you're talking about, we've had a bunch of people on this past year, some amazing guests actually, and they're all very successful and we're surprised we keep getting them. Um, We're like, you're surprised. (laughs) I expect it. Yeah. We're (laughs) like, okay. Yeah. Are are you sure you're in the right place? Um, (laughs) But it's, you know, they all have that failure story of early on, something they had to overcome, some obstacle they had to climb, right? And our son's a big baseball player, just finished playing in college. And um, and we grew up with that experience of constant failure and overcoming it. And he learned so much from that process. And I guess what I'm getting at is for everybody else in the world, you know, you go through life and, you, and you're kind of grinding it out. And that, that reflective part sometimes never comes because you never have that bottom out. And that bottom part, is kind of what you have to have that come to Jesus moment. You know, all right, am, am I am I climbing up or am I sinking down? You know, where do I go from here? Maybe that's just the personality type, but it seems like those stories are always centered around some kind of a that lesson. That lesson only comes from really hitting it hard, you know? But sometimes you just you maybe not playing it safe, but you stay in the middle, you know, and you just kind of coast and you and you stay there and you never take those chances. You also never fall but you never have that opportunity to grow from it. And that, that's, it's kind of a needed asset almost. I'd argue that's a fucking failure, right? I mean, I think the definition of hell, I've, I've heard, this is not my quote, but I've, and I'll butcher it, but the definition of hell is meeting the person you could have been, right? How fucking mm-hmm. bad is that? So I think that's a massive failure, but it's, it's, it's how we're taught. It's our system. How we're raised getting an F in school, like fuck school, right? I mean, it, it's how we're raised that failure is a bad thing that we don't want to admit or realize going through. But you, you, if, if, unless you stop and quit, you've never failed in my opinion, right? You can learn lessons from it. You kind of go through, but embracing that. So, you know, what I try to do, and I talk about this on stage and in books and coaching, whatever I, I do is that like embrace the failure, triage it. Dude, I've not, dude, I've learned fucking nothing from making 2 million bucks day trading in two years. Not a fucking thing. You don't ever learn anything from your wins. Rarely do you. I shouldn't say never. Rarely do you know what you fucking learn from that miss. Fuck man, I, I, that deal fucking blew up. And you go and do an autopsy on that. And like, all right, what did I do? What did I miss? How did I go through? I I help. You know, we do a lot of consulting, and I invest in a bunch of businesses. I'm not fucking smart. I've just been through some shit, right? So I can go through and see the things that you haven't seen, just because you're not looking there, and and it's okay. I only see them because I didn't see them once before. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I yeah. think in t- today's world too, we're I think um, we're we as a people, uh, especially I think younger, is um, we fight so hard not to fail. Like it's 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 not it's unacceptable. Like we want to not acceptable. We we, we want to put up bubble wrap and protect ourselves from that yeah. outcome. But I think uh, kind of what I'm getting at is that you need that. Like it, 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 it's a sad fact, but you need that to grow, you know? Yeah. No, I, I mean, I'm just going to butcher all kinds of quotes today, but this is at my kid's school. Um, and one of the reasons that we pay as much 
freaking money. They're a great school as we do, but their mantra is um, we, um, again, I'm butchering this, but we, we push or try to instill um, the courage to fail. It's, it's that, that's basically the thing. So like, whoa, thank you. You're my school. Because like you embrace it. They're like, oh, you got an F. Like they don't, I mean, yes, they have some level of standardized testing, but not really. That's just not what it is. Like we want to teach the the courage of it because that's where the learning happens. It's so simple, but we all know it in life, right? But just if you can kid, teach those kids that it's okay and that's where you understand, or why do you think that, right? And and go down that rabbit hole. It's really, um, it's a, it's a different perspective and a needed perspective. And unfortunately we don't all get it in our schools. So I think as parents, especially parents, uh, as entrepreneurs, you should talk about that stuff. I talk to my kids about business. Um, I, I talk to my kids about what I'm doing. Um, I think it's okay. I think it's necessary. And it reminds me of, you know, our kids are now into college and we've had one who just graduated with his MBA, but I think back to when they were in junior high, and high school and these parents who wanted to lawnmower in front of them so the kids would have no obstacles, no challenges, no misery, no sadness, no hardship. And I'm like, were you going to keep doing that their entire lives? Because at some point they will have failure. And if you cannot teach them to be resilient, then you cannot teach them to be happy. Yeah, well, I mean, um, yeah I'm yeah. sorry. They, um, I don't know if you're all familiar with, I know Jackie is, but uh, it's a musical called Fantastics. It was real, uh, <laughs> one of the longest running ones on Broadway for a long time. Anyway, off Broadway. This Small, is going to be your most interesting segue. I'm like this waiting to figure out how I you know, get there. I know, it's, I know, but it reminded <laughs> me of this because there's a scene in it. There's a narrator called Ogayo and uh, it's a silly musical, but um, but there's these moments in it that the guy that wrote it, his name is Patrick Sullivan and it's amazing. And um, But he says, uh, I'm going to read it real quick. I pulled it up, but there's a curious there's a curious paradox that no one can explain. Who understands the secrets of the reaping of the grain? Who understands why spring is born out of winter's laboring pain or why we almost die a bit before we grow again? And I, I always remember that. It was like, you know, you have to have the, that those moments to be yeah. whole almost, you know, and it, it's part of the sad part of life. Like, you know, you, you, it sucks that it has to happen, but you kind of have to embrace it like you were saying, right? Yeah. And the earlier you do it, the more resilient they're going to be. Right. Because you put them in this bubble, they're going to fucking leave the bubble, man. At some point, I don't care if it's fourth grade, 14th grade, grad school. At some point, they're going to go and be around that asshole. They're going to be around this person. They're going to be there. And wouldn't you rather like I, I was I was it's, it's so funny that we're doing this. I was training this morning and, you know, I've got a lot of memories as a kid just because of some of the trauma stuff with my dad dying and everything, but my first really like of adolescence in school was really around fourth grade. My son's now in the fourth grade and I was talking to my trainer who's my age. Um, it's a grizzly guy. I'm not, I'm not a small guy. We're going through. And, but I went to like Catholic school, um, fourth to eighth grade and we were the pussies, but we would go out and like at lunch, come through shirts or ribs, come through and you just come back in like, oh yeah, everything's fine. And no one said anything. I'm like, dude, could you imagine if like our generation at fourth grade is now we sound like our parents, but we're like in that same class, like we would probably like how that would even like would, would mix. It's, it's crazy. But if you can really just try to push them to go and like, hey, let's let's take some inventory here and and, and go out. It, it's yeah, it's, it's it's a little scary of how everyone environmentally is being raised. But if you can try and make that little bit of a difference of be kind, understand, teach perspective and talk to them like as they're an adult and understand some reason and some logic, even, you know, I think we oversimplify as parents sometimes um, and, and dumb down things that 
maybe they can't fully grasp, but do the idea and open up that dialogue. And then if you do that more and more, they're going to come back to you. Maybe not that moment and ask the question and go through it. I think it's your duty as a, as parents, as we're, as we're breeding this next generation and raising them, um, we all want to leave it a little bit better than we found it. So let's, you know, teach them, you know, we, we do these podcasts, we share with each other, but that's who we really owe this stuff to, man. It's, it's them. Is that your oldest child, the fourth grader? Yep. All right. Well, he, he will, he will hate you at some point, but he will come back and love you again. <laughs> that's so yeah. optimistic, yeah. Michael. Well, it's no, full circle, you know? <laughs> sure. I mean, I mean, we were in the car, in the car this morning, you know, I, I, I do. And I, um, I, I do like everyone does like the highs and lows. Has someone been kind to you? Or uh, is the questions are um, high or low? Um, what did you do something that was kind for someone? And then um, what did someone uh, do for you that was kind? So it kind of almost teaches them, but we've been doing it for like a month. Um, and then I've added in like, tell me who you played with um, new. And like, he has to think about him. And I kind of got on him today. I'm like, dude, we've been doing this for a month. You know, the questions are coming. I'm sick of this. You should be, I, I said, here's, here's the answer. And, and, and I actually realized it's my fault. I was like, Hey, listen, I didn't tell you this, but here it is. I'm telling you this stuff. Cause I want you to think about it during the day. Right. And then, then come back and tell me, I don't want you to be, Oh, I have to come up with it. Cause I'm, I'm getting annoyed because we're running out of time to class. So I tell him that. And I'm like, dude, you're an asshole. Now you're gonna fucking start this kid's day in a shitty fucking mood. And I'm like, all right, how do I recover this? I'm like, dude, listen, I know dad's tough. Right. But I promise you, I'm not doing this just to be a dick. I'm just, um, I'm not, I'm not doing it just to like beat you up and tell you to do something. I said, have you ever been in class and, and the teacher's teaching you something that's so stupid? And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's why they did that. He's like, yeah, sometimes I'm like, that's what I'm doing. I promise you at some point, this is going to make sense for you, but there is a reason why I'm doing it. Cause it's making you think about it. So you can come back to me and say, Hey dad, all right, this, this is the best part of my day. This is the low part. So I even mess that up and I fucking talk about this shit. Right. So Taking that ownership, like, all right, cool. How do we go through and communicate and set expectations? You know, communication is key in everything. Love, life, business, partnerships, et cetera. Absolutely. 100%. I was teaching a, um, a university class yesterday. I was a guest speaker uh, talking about media literacy. And um, we were discussing, they were asking me questions about being an entrepreneur, which is where I want to head next with you. And yep. I told them that, you know, to me, life is real interesting. Uh, because it's a series of challenges that are going to be put in front of you. And to be an entrepreneur, the one thing you have to have is resilience. And I said, so, you know, you're not successful or a failure until you stop. As long as you keep going, you know, you, you can overcome those failures. You can work through it. So somebody asked if I'd ever thought we were going to, you know, that we faced real hardships. And I said, yeah, we opened our business six months before 9-11. We faced a lot of hardships. You know, we went through a ton of stuff, financial crisis, oil crash, whatever it is. Um, and I said, but. We keep going, we keep going, we keep going. The problem to me is the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. And the definition of an entrepreneur is to keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. The only way to know is to wait and see because both ways, you just keep going. But you don't know if you're going down the crazy path or the successful entrepreneur path. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think even just to keep going, I, I do one even better, right? Is just start, right? <laughs> that's the, that's the biggest piece. So many people don't start and I fucking crush this. You guys, uh, you, I know you have kids used that you just finished MBA. You've got, you've got a few. So I always say like, here's a question when, you know, Jackie, Michael, you know, when did you know you were ready to have kids? <laughs> when the fifth test was still positive. 
<laughs> but yeah, the reason you fucking don't ever know, right? You know, you're never ready. You're, 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 I don't care. Like, there's not, a, oh, I passed Now's my court. the time. Yeah. Here you go, Doc, let's roll. Fuck, we don't ever know if we're ready. You know, right. so, But you figure it out and you go. So just kind of get started. And that, that really resonates with people. Um, but yeah, it's okay. Like I, the title of my book, Shameless Pug, is without a plan. How I lived my life for 20 years. Like, you know, and, and it's a, a memoir of unbound action and failing my way to success. I would argue and do argue on stage that, you know, a plan can actually be a negative to you. Right. I mean, on my website, you can find, you know, a, a one page plan, but having everything figured out or the attempt to have everything figured out is fucking stupid. Show me. I do live podcasts all the time. And I'm like, right now, call in like bank details are ready. I will wire you $10,000 for anyone that can call in right now and show me a plan from late 2019 that modeled a condition <laughs> for a global pandemic. Can show it to me 10 G's in your bank account. Fuck, you can't. No one has that. So why bother, right? Why go through? Because a lot of times we come through, especially in startups, I see this, we're making all these plans off future. When you're at the crossroads a year later, you are now armed with far more insight, education, and understanding of what the right decision is but you're going to be fucking jaded because I'm pre-programmed that was supposed to go left, even though instead of zigging, you're supposed to zag. Does that make sense? Yep. Perfect sense. Yeah. We, we talk about planning. Obviously we do strategic brand planning here. And so we talked a lot about that. And so when clients tell me, you know, you know, how, how do you plan? And I, I refer back to that all the time. Not one of my 2020 plans called for COVID, but when you yeah. have a good plan, it's flexible enough to on the fly adjust and pivot to accommodate whatever's coming at you. That's a good plan. Exactly. But no one called for it. It was not on anybody's list. I, I know what you guys do on like the, you know, branding and, uh, and stuff. And I think I, I've told someone like, so I don't have a personal brand or I don't have a, I have a brand. And um, like I, I say this all the time and I'm sure other people say it as well, like you have a brand, um, whether you like it or not, you've got a fucking brand. Uh, and I think, you know, uh, especially in a personal brand, like you, you like uh, uh, the definition of a brand, I think for me is what people say about you when you're not in the room, like that's the fucking brand, right? Who you are, what you stand for or whatever, but you have one just like a culture businesses have culture fucking good or bad. I don't know, but they all have these things. They're living, uh, organisms. And if you're not in control and, directing what that is, um, it's going to direct itself for you or some other things will. Well, and the fact that, you know, you only have so much, well, you have a lot of control over what you do, but we believe that, you know, people are going to decide what your brand is in the end because their perceptions of you is what's going to control that, you know, their gut feelings, their emotional connections to whatever that is, to you as a person, to you as a business, to you as a company, um, you know, it, it's all out there, right? So people are going to judge that how they're going to judge it. So I can't make them feel a certain way, but I can help influence how they do it by how I live my life, how I run my business, how I treat people, how I do the things that I do. That's how I can influence the market, basically. Yeah. A hundred percent. So as you start to think about the entrepreneurial journey that people are on and the work that you've done um, to kind of build that, talk about that next chapter of your career and where you went from there. Um. From 
So, I mean, I, I, we went out, you know, 21 years ago, I started Delk Enterprises. Um, we're a venture capital um, firm, uh, early stage. So, you know, pre-revenue, a lot of, you know, friends and family rounds, seed rounds, that type of stuff. We will typically um, make full acquisitions or or controlling sake acquisitions um, just because we found, especially in the early stages, hey, I like that world. I'm a startup guy. I'm a startup junkie. I like to build them from zero to, you know, 10, 20 million bucks and then give it to an adult to run. Um, I like the, 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 the early sprint stuff. Um, so what I found in that segment of the market is – Yes, they need money, but oftentimes they need stuff. They need a branding marketing group, right? They need video and someone that's running paid traffic. They need manufacturing. They need accounting. They need legal. And I've I've kind of got that, you know, systems already in place for a lot of my portfolio companies that we already have. So what I'm able to do is get them from idea to funding to launch to revenue much quicker. Um, because I, I have some of those, those shared services that we bring into place. So, um, that's been a, a lot of fun for me. You know, I'm 43 years old. My fourth is, uh, um, my oldest, as we talked about fourth grade. Um, and then I've got one that's still incubating like 50% incubation wide. So like I'm at a point in my life where like, um, and my accountant always less the same thing as Kings. I saw him stopping, starting companies and not been able to do it yet, but my real big kind of lifts in these, you know, crazy startups that we're trying to take to, you know, hundred million billion dollar valuations are probably getting, you know, more secondary to me. Um, so I do a lot of this coaching and consulting and speaking, uh, really for deal flow. Um, cause I want to help, you know, kind of pay it forward. I think it's a little bit of a obligation to, you know, share some of the, my losses and what I missed and how I kind of messed up in personal life and in business, I think authenticity is so, so huge um, in all aspects of life, but it allows me to do what I still love, right? I can still be a part-time, you know, founder and jump in and really kind of, you know, add some value, throw some money in and break some stuff and fix some stuff um, and take smaller pieces of them and not have to be completely at, at the helm. Um, I can do it with a lot more businesses. And uh, that's kind of the chapter that I'm in right now, which is a ton of fun. Um, I think that's that's one vehicle that's on the startup side. I have been, and a lot of people are doing this, and I've been doing it for the last year and a half now, um, baby boomers. And I think maybe it, this could even be some, some crossroad for some of your demographic we talked about um, in the green room before we started. Um, the baby boomer generation right now, there's a huge, you know, going to be a huge transfer of wealth or, or loss of wealth, right. With retiring, right. They don't have successors, um, but they've built great businesses. They built great brands. They may be so dropping off fucking donuts and not listening to Jackie and uh, Michael, but their clients still love them and they've got a great reputation. Most of those businesses will just close. They'll just close. And um, at best, um, what most common is they'll likely own their real estate. They'll sell the real estate and then go to Florida and that's a retirement. And what we're doing now, and I'm looking and we're buying businesses. So you got a business for sale or thinking about it, call me, we will, we'll do a deal because we're, we're actually buying those businesses because what we have found, um, and this is what's been very rewarding for me 
um, I don't have to be the venture capital fucking asshole all the time is money doesn't fucking matter on that side. It's a necessity and it's a deal term, but it's the fucking last because they were already probably going to fucking close the thing. Right. They hadn't even thought about potentially getting an extra couple bucks. So the money is the last piece. What is the lasting component is everyone's lasting component. Right. Talk to right. brand. Like when you're not around, what about when you're fucking gone? Like it's your legacy. So wouldn't it? And if you don't have that successor, or maybe you do have the successor and he's a fuckhead and he needs fucking, you know, a few more years of guidance, but you want to go down and, and deep sea fish. We can be that vehicle where we come in and Maybe would we modernize keeping the integrity of the thing, ball bearings? We're actually looking at ball bearing deal, funny enough. But like you know, ball bearings, the health, like whatever it is, you can go and take and keeping with the integrity and the the spirit and the culture of that company, making someone proud, getting them continuation money, making potentially a lot of times generational life changing wealth for some people that we've done, and it lives on. That's, that's a lot of fun too. And that's really cool. Um, because again, I think you can't ever learning. I'm looking at businesses and I think dropping off donuts isn't a bad thing. Some of the guys and girls that have been running these businesses for 30 years, they've been running a business for 30 fucking years, guys. You can learn something from them. You're right. and LTV and top of funnel, all the bullshit that we, us digital marketing people, I've got, I, I know that world too. Man, there's something to running a fucking manufacturing steel mill in fucking central Ohio, bro. There's something to that. Um, about a handshake, relationships, fucking hard times. That there's something to that, and that is gold. And if that dies, right, which it could, if if, if more of these aren't, aren't 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 picked up and carried on, if that dies, this country's lost a fucking lot of legacy, man. This country has just lost a lot because that's what built us, right? And it really is. There's a lot of wealth here, a lot of tech wealth, all that stuff, but that's really what's built this country. No, 100%. And I love the way that you're approaching it because when I look at these second stage companies, they employ people, sometimes a lot of people in a town, the town relies on them. And the owners were hard workers who got up every day to do a job, not thinking about cashing out and selling and you know how to sunset their careers. And I'm watching it. I'm in a couple of different business groups and I'm watching these people just fade into the woodwork because they don't feel the value. So they're not doing an ESOP. They're not selling out to somebody. They're just closing. And so the potential that our country has to lose so many valuable businesses is scary. Yeah, no, it is. And, and you have to have people that are really, and I think why I've been able to set across, because again, I'm, I'm from Kentucky, but I sound like I'm from New York. I, I, right. I, I've been there a long time, but you are, which I mean, I've, I've had a lot of wins, but I've had you know, a lot of fucking failures, bad failures. Um, but it's, it's what you've actually done. Right. So I can go in there and full face. Like I sold a company, I turned down 700 million, um, end up having a bunch of regulatory problems, costing me a couple million dollars in fines. And I ended up selling the business for 6 million. So like a few zeros light. Um, but even through all of that, I had an opportunity. This was in the heart of COVID to sell that company for $12 million. Um, the 6 million bucks would have been handy. It would have, you know, bought us a fucking third house. Um, but like, it wouldn't have changed our lives dramatically because the company that was offering $12 million was based in Florida. They were going to take our book of business 
and fucking remove all that business and go there. And 112 jobs would have been lost in a town that I fucking live in, right? For six million bucks in the fucking heart of COVID. So fuck that, right? And I think that has been able for me to set across like, that's not like, hey, I'm going to do it. Like, fuck what you say. It's what you've done, right? And I think that's the piece where you go through. And that's legacy. Like, even if it's not the most profitable thing to do, it pays to keep jobs in America. It pays to keep jobs in Des Moines, or in this case, Nicholasville, Kentucky. There, there's something there that that pays to do it. Um, and it's that's that's the track record, in my opinion. That that's how you go through. And I think that's where I've been able to resonate with people of like, dude, I don't have all the answers. Been at this game 22 years, and I've made some fucking mistakes, but I've paid for them, owned up, and always t- kind of taking those responsibilities. And I think that is someone, hopefully, someone sees, you know as a quality that you would, you would hand the keys over to someone to keep, keep that legacy going. How do you balance when you're looking at acquiring a company, um, keeping everything intact and you also see all these places where there could be efficiencies and room for improvement. That's, that's quite a spectrum. So where do you draw the line on I'm making it better, but I'm also preserving what came before me. Um, really simple. Um, Well, not simple, but a lot of things <laughs> is to do fucking nothing for okay. six months because um, I can look through numbers and tell you, like, I can look in your stuff, like while we're on the thing, email it to me, I can look at my phone and tell you all the shit you should change in your business before we got this podcast in 13 minutes. I could tell you, but I don't fucking know. And my, my, they, they could be right. Largely, they probably are to a degree. Yeah, they're probably but- not. I'm not sending it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but like the, the, the theories and the trends are, 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 are there that you can make an analyte, analytical quantitative decision on it. Right. Right. But those numbers don't have any emotion, goodwill, like stuff that businesses are made of. So what I, what I do is have, and I do all of that work, but I just kind of keep it in a fucking box. And then I go in the business and just fucking watch. And then, you know, what I do is this crazy thing. Now, listen, everyone should get these notes. This is, this is actually the biggest hack of all time. I go into businesses and I sit down and I fucking talk to people, which is crazy. I know it's fucking crazy. scary, crazy. but I, I talk to people. I'm like, Hey Mike, what do you do here? What do you like here? What do you not like? What, what are we not doing? What should we be doing? And you're amazing. Even like in the, in the, the business that have been so great. So they like giving your, 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 your employees become your team and your family. The moment you give them the fucking voice. So they will fucking tell you way more than these fucking numbers. Yeah. That's the number, but that's fucking his cousin. That's fucking really fine. That's actually never gonna get paid. Like you really learn the fucking stuff. So the, the trick is to look at business, but don't come Cause it's not gonna, it's not gonna be received. Well, I mean, besides it's besides it's the wrong tactic, because you don't know what you don't know. Um, it's not going to be received well because everyone's so fearful when you come into a new thing, like, all right, Jackie, you're now this, that. Like, they don't want that change because everyone is naturally a bit re- resi- resistant to change. So I do nothing for six months. And then, but I run a process for six months is I've got, these are my things. These are my assumptions. These are my things, what I want to go through and see. But I really now put more information to these emotional quantitative things that are unemotional quantitative 
math, numerical business facts that I know to be true. I then start melding and putting them together with the emotional pieces and that goodwill what's in the, in the business. And then with there, I get, you get management on and maybe you're bringing your own team in, maybe you're keeping people, all, all those things. And then you, you come up with a plan together that you get everyone behind. Um, and, and those things take time to implement, right? Some they're, some are immediate, some are, some are not, but the, sometimes the best action is no action. And most time it is. I love that. I love that approach. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm watching a lot of um, my mentors and the people that I've really looked up to and watch them try to struggle and figure out what to do with their businesses. In a number of cases, they were the business. They never separated themselves. They never followed the e-myth strategy and started to work on it instead of in it all day. And so now there really isn't something to sell. And, yeah. and, and, and so that's just awful. Yeah. Yeah. Just awful. Yeah, that's, that's the case for sure. And a lot of these businesses. Yeah. Um, and that, that should be a lesson to your listeners that, hey, listen, you hear, I hear all the time, oh, I'll just, it's easier if I do it myself. Or but if, I, if I try and teach you and take me longer, like, yeah, I mean, but you're not going to build a business there. You're right. a high pay dancing monkey. <laughs> right. And there's nothing to sell. Yeah. Because it's your name on the door and you're the one doing all the work and you're the one who has always controlled everything. And so what would somebody be buying? Exactly. The Rolodex, literally. Um, I'm shocked to tell you that it's been almost an hour uh, because this has flown by for me in about 15 minutes. Jeremy, so much wisdom, so much insight, so many great thoughts. I, I want you to do two things. I want you to um, leave us with a nice parting thought to take us through the day and Tell the people how to find you uh, because they all have companies they want to sell. And now that they've heard you talk, they're going to want to sell to you. Yeah. So thanks for the time, guys. I, I agree. It's went by really quickly. And, and sometimes these things just go on forever. And then sometimes you're like, fuck, can we like extend? Right. But so it's it's tough. So <laughs> I would love to come on again with you. And, and, and it, it really, really a pleasure. Um, I'm Jeremy S. Delk on all socials. Um, uh, you can find me on you know, jeremysdelk.com, Instagram, LinkedIn, where have you. Um, and, you know, check out my book if you want to learn a little bit more about me um, without a plan. You can get it on Audible, Audible Amazon, wh where have you. And it's it's a business book, but it's more of a personal kind of thing. And you really want to get to know someone, like get to know, like that's where I want to go through. You may not like me at the end of it, but you can't call me a liar. I mean, I, I think that's that's important. Um, and the parting wisdom is is that, right? I I shared in this book, you know, 20 years of like retrospective kind of going through and even going back to my childhood and, um, you know, change your perspective on failure and, 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 you know, get happy with yourself inside and, and really question about what it is that you're, you're doing and not doing and why, like what's holding you back. And it shouldn't be a money thing or a car thing. It shouldn't be in that stuff. It should be like, what is it inside of you that is burning this desire to, to really, you know, make this impact, right? Whether that's a business, whether it's personal, who, 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 who cares what it is, but really try to understand what drives you. And if you can harness that, uh, it's hard to ever be stopped. Um, and it'll get you through the times that are going to come that are tough and struggling. You know, I think that's, you know, point one, you know, point two is, is this really, you know, get started, right? Um, failure's okay, but you haven't failed until you've completely quit, right? Just get started. So sell the company, buy the company, make the acquisition, launch a new product, ask the fucking girl to marry you. Whatever it is, just fucking do it, man. We are not promised tomorrow. I had to learn that, you know, at a young age and we've all had loss, right? And 
you know, you're, you're not promised tomorrow. So just, just get started. Uh, there's no words to say after that, Brene Brown. Thank you for joining our podcast. I mean, that was perfect and awesome. Um, Jeremy, uh, many thanks. I feel like the knowledge, the wisdom, the enthusiasm, the curse words, everything you brought to the table was uh, chef's kiss perfection. Thank you so much. Thank you.